Amen. Again, glad you're here. Why don't we tell everybody that had a part in our lunch? Thanks today. Great job on our lunch. We're in the midst of our push during August. We're trying to push to 200 men coming to our men's lunch, not necessarily for a number's sake, but that we would have a, a greater impact as we teach and preach the, the truth of God's Word. This is what it looks like to be a man who follows Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you, be inviting folks every single week. There's a bunch of wooden nickels on that table back there. Hopefully you got a couple of those. Grab some on the way out. As you go through the week, uh, grab somebody. Hey, join us on Thursday. Hey, I'll meet you there. I'll pick you up. Invite them to join you on Thursday. So there's a bunch of those wooden nickels there. Take advantage of that. Next week, if you'll notice the menu, we're going to have fried chicken, mashed potatoes, gravy, hot rolls, all the stuff that goes with that. Not going to be a better meal in Vernon, Texas next Thursday. Invite somebody to join you uh, for that. We're thankful for our lunch today. Good job on that as well. Also, there's still caps back there on the table. Those are $10 each. Uh, if you'd like one of those caps, be sure and help yourself to that. Today in our men's lunch, we're going to keep going. We started last week. We're looking at being a man after God's own heart. We've been going verse by verse through 1 Peter. We're going to take some time off. We're looking at the life of David. We'll come back and finish up 1 Peter. But we've been looking at being a man after God's own heart. If you remember in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, and then again in the New Testament book of Acts chapter 13, verse 22, we read in both of those accounts, the Old Testament and the New Testament, that God calls David a man after his own heart. Now, I said it last week. I really can't even imagine that. I, I really can't really picture that. Our God, our creator God, all-powerful, all-knowing, infinitely wise, holy, perfect, just, our God, that God says of a man, this one, this man, has a heart after me. Now, if you think about the man David, uh, we know that he committed adultery. We know that he lied. We know that he orchestrated. He was responsible for the murder of a man. Uh, David was a man that, that had some severe flaws. David was a man who made some huge mistakes in his life. And you, and you hear that and you wonder, how could it be said of any man, but especially of this man, that he would be a man after God's own heart? Well, for us today, maybe the bigger question is, can we, could we ever be called the same? Could it ever be said of men in this room today? Sometimes we think, well, David is so, so far above us and so far removed from us. Could it ever be said of men that are sitting in this room today, this one, this is a man after God's own heart? And if it could be said, what would it look like for that to be said of a man in this room today. Last week we started and we saw, we started off in the context that, that God desired that his people would be different than the rest of the world. That his people would be a word called holy. Now the word holy actually translates set aside. That his people wouldn't look like the rest of the world. They would be holy. They would be set aside. They would be different from the rest of the world. Of the world. I want to tell you, he still calls that of his people. He desires that we would be holy, that we would be set aside different than the rest of the world. Well, remember from last week, one of the ways that they would be different, one of the ways that they would be holy, this word that means set aside, is that as a people, as a nation, he would be their king. While the rest of the nations had their kings, 
while their neighboring countries and kingdoms around them had a human king, they were going to be different in that Israel, God's people, he himself, God himself, would be their king. Now, now get the image of that. As their king, he would represent them. As their king, he would lead them. He would direct them. As their king, he would protect them. And as I said last week, how awesome would it be to be a nation? Would it be to be a people that could say, you know what? God is our king. Somebody comes along and says, well, our king is a big deal. And our king, his name is this. And, and who, is, who is your king? Well, actually, God is our king. The creator of all things, God is our king. Well, how big is his army? I want to tell you, our king, his, his army numbers this many and has this many chariots and this many horses. Well, tell me how big is your king's army? Well, actually, it's not just this human army, but all the host of heaven. He could call at any time 10,000 angels. Well, our, our king, man, he's rich and he's accumulated this stuff and in battle we have all these spoils. How rich is your king? Well, actually, my king, all things are his. He not only has the cattle on, on, on the hills, he has the hills themselves. That's how rich my king is. Well, how big is your king's palace? I want to tell you, my king, his palace looks like this. How big is his palace? Well, actually... The whole world is his dwelling place. But let me just tell you about one of the rooms in his palace. It says of his throne room, the train of his robe fills the temple. And there are peals of thunder and flashes of lightning there. And there the seraphim and they cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And smoke fills that temple. That's just a room in his palace. Can you imagine God desires to be their king? Well, we see this people, as they see the nations around them, seeing their banners and their, their horns and their chariots, seeing their palace, they decide, you know what, we want a king like that. Well, God is your king. Well, we'd rather have a king like that. And they reject God's plan. Now, let me just tell you this. Anytime you reject God's plan, you mess up. Anytime you reject what God wants for you, you have gravely messed up. Well, they say, God, give us a king. Well, God obliges them. He gives them a king. The Bible says the first king of Israel, his name is Saul. Remember, we looked at it last week. Saul doesn't obey God's word. He doesn't lead as God has directed him to lead. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 13 and 14 say this. Samuel said to Saul, you have acted foolishly. You have not kept the commandments of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not endure. Saul is replaced. And we read that, that David is going to replace him as king. And so last week we see and we established that our starting place is this. In a wicked age, in a sin-ridden world, in a disobedient day, God calls for godly men. And that's where we started out last week. In, in an age that would rebel against the word of God, with a king that would turn his back and deny the word of God, in a disobedient day, God calls for godly men. I want to tell you, every single week in here, I want to tell you, the greatest thing that could happen is if the men in this room 
would act like godly men. They would lead like godly men. They would say, you know what? I want to be in my marriage relationship with God has called me to be. And I want to raise my kids as a godly man. And I want to serve in my church as a godly man. And if the men in this room existed for the glory of the living God, it's the same today. A disobedient day calls for godly men. Well, today we're going to move along in the account. We're going to read the account of David being named and appointed as the replacement for King Saul. Now, I'm going to read 1 Samuel 13, verses 13 and 14 to start off again. It says this, Samuel said to Saul, you've acted foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not endure. The Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded of you. And then turning over to 1 Samuel 16, now we start with the identifying of David as the king. 1 Samuel chapter 16, the first four verses say this. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? Samuel's upset about the replacement of Saul. Since I have rejected him from being king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Behethamite, that I have selected a king for myself among his sons. But Samuel said, how can I go? When Saul, he's the king, when he hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. You shall invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I designate to you. Listen to verse 4. So Samuel did what the Lord said. And he came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city came trembling to meet him and said, Do you come in peace? Now I want you to see something in this fourth verse. The word of God is a big deal. I think sometimes we lose, we lose that, that, that astonishment with the word of God. You see, Samuel was the prophet for God. Samuel spoke the words of God. And so here comes the man of God, the prophet of God, and he comes to town, and they know this is the man that speaks the word of God. And when they knew who he was and they knew what position he held, it says they trembled in fear. We have the word of God our Bible. We ought to revere it in the same fashion. We ought to come to it with trembling. This is the word of the living God. And it's just as they showed reverence when Samuel came to town. We ought to hold the word of God with such prestige and honor. Continuing on, verse 5. He said, in peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. He also consecrated Jesse and his sons invited, and invited them to the sacrifice. When they had entered, they looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Now think about that. The oldest son comes in, Eliab. He comes in, and, and here comes the sons of Jesse. And even Samuel thought, This is the one. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees, not as a man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab 
and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Next, Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Thus, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Verse 11, and Samuel said to Jesse, are these all the children? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. And behold, he is tending the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. Now at the end of this, we see this. Here comes the sons, and they go before, they go before Samuel, and Samuel says, this is not one. This is not one of them, and he rejects them. And then they say, is this all? He says, are these all of the sons? And there is a son that is so insignificant. There is a son that is so unlikely. There is a son that is so overlooked that they say, oh, yeah, there's another son. He's out somewhere with the sheep. A son overlooked, insignificant. Well, go get that son, and we'll not sit down until he has come. Verse 12. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with the beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, now listen to this, God said it, not Samuel. Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Picture the scene. I think at this point, the brothers for sure, and probably even for sure Jesse, and I, I imagine especially David are wondering, what, what just happened here? Half hour ago, this son's not even remembered. Half hour ago, he's so insignificant, he's overlooked, but now he stands, and upon God's own word, he is the king of Israel. He is God's king chosen by God's hand. I imagine they're going, what just happened here? Abinadab, what just happened here? Jesse, what just happened here? David says, what in the world just happened here? Let me show you a couple things. First thing is this. God's standard is not man's standard. I want to tell you, we need, we need to start hammering that into the minds of men who are following Jesus Christ. Get this today. God's standard is not man's standard. With men, we, we look at our standard. We want to know, well, what's he done? What's he doing? Who's he play for? Has he hit 3,000 hits? We want, we want to know what image does he have? What does he look like? We want to know how much money does he have? How much is he earning? And all of these goals are, are held up. This is what man, the world says a man looks like. God's standard is not man's standard. Listen to me today, friends. We need a change in perspective. We need, we need a change in perception. We need to reset today what a, what a definition of a man is. And it's not the world's mold that matters. It is what God says about a man that truly matters. Let's be men according to God's standard. Let's be that type of man. Now, I want you to see a couple things here. First is this. Notice this. Position didn't matter. 
God's standard is not man's standard. Position didn't matter. Now, in our world, position matters. You know what? By all rights, the oldest brother should have been the one. He's the, he's the one that, that the birthright would have come to. He's the one that was going to carry on the legacy of the family. He held the position, but with God, position didn't matter. Now, I can't imagine what Jesse thought and what the oldest son when he said, this is not the one. Well, do you understand I'm the oldest son? Do you understand I hold the the lineage? It's in me. It's in my name. And God says, you know what? Position doesn't matter. Second thing we see here, perception didn't matter. This first brother, God says, he's not the one. Well, they probably start to go, maybe we don't know all about him. Maybe he's got some flaw we don't know about. But let's call the second brother. Let's call the third brother. And as they come in, you think, well, look at this guy. Look how tall he is. And look at, and look at who he is. And the perception didn't matter. And as they come before, Abinadab comes by. Samuel says, nope. Shammah comes by and he says, nope. What people thought, perception didn't matter. So God's standard is not man's standard. And position doesn't matter. Perception doesn't matter. So the question is this, so what then does matter? What is God's standard? Listen to me today, hear this. It is a matter of the heart. Chapter 13, verse 14, it says this. Saul's messed up, God's written him off. I would have established you forever. He's taken it away from him. And it says this. And the Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart. That's the standard. God says, you know what, I've had a disobedient man. I've had a man that the world thought was a big deal. His position doesn't matter. The perception doesn't matter. But God says, I am looking and I am searching for a man after my own heart. It is the heart that matters. Chapter 16, verse 7, listen to this. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For God sees not as a man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. For God, it is a matter of the heart. For us today, how do we apply this? I want to be a man that could fit this description. I want to be a man that God could say, this is a man after my own heart. Does he sin? Yes. Does he fall short? Yes. But when the books are all settled, this is a man who has my heart, who has a man that that takes after my heart. What does that look like? How are we going to apply this today? Here's the first thing. God's man has a heart in tune with God. That's the first thing we see. God's man has a heart in tune with God. Now, remember why Saul was disqualified He heard the word of God. Samuel said, this is what you're commanded to do. He heard the word of God, but he did his own thing. He heard the word of God, but he wouldn't obey it. He he disobeyed. Listen to me. God is looking for a man whose heart is in tune with him. And if God says it's time to go, this man says, I don't even understand what we're doing, but it's time to go. If God says, it's time to stop. This man says, I can't see why we would stop here, but we're going to stop. If, this, if, if God says, you know what, this is how you're going to lead your wife, and this is how you're going to lead your home, and this is, this is how you're going to live your life, this man would listen. This man would be willing to step out of the world's system to be different, to stand on his own, even if he's standing by himself, and say, oh, Lord, that I would hear from you because I will follow. 
God's man has a heart in tune with God. Second thing, God's man has a heart completely given to God. God's man has a heart completely given to God. Now, it doesn't mean he doesn't make mistakes. It doesn't mean he doesn't sin. It doesn't mess up. But it means he has a heart that is sold out, that is committed to the living God. Now, listen to me today. We, we live in an age, and I think you know this, we live in an age where men today are called to be all these different things. And we're called to be all these different things to all these different people. And, and we think, you know what, when I'm with my friends, I have to be this type of man. And when I'm at work, I have to be this type of man. And when I'm at home, I'm going to be the man of the house. And I have to be this kind of man. And when I'm at church, I have to act a little different. And I'm going to be this kind of man. And when, when I'm at the sports game, I have to know these things. And I'm going to be this kind of mad man. And we try to hold up all of these roles. And we try to hold up all of these perceptions when the truth is this. Listen to me. As God's man, we have an audience of one. As God's man, we serve and we stand and hold the standard of one, and that is the living God. He's looking for men wholly committed to him. 2 Chronicles 16, 9 says this. Listen to this. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth. You know what? These guys are hard to find. He's looking for them. That he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. God's man has a heart completely given to him. Third thing is this. We're almost done. First is God's man, his heart's in tune with God. Second, his heart is given completely to God. The third thing is this. God's man has a heart changed by God. Changed by God. Now I'm going to move ahead. We'll come back as we as we move through this story, this account. But in in Psalm 51, there's an interesting verse. In Psalm 51, we find this prayer of David. And David is broken. David has, has been convicted of his sin. He's been accused of his sin. He's had to admit the wrong of his sin. He is suffering the consequence of his sin. His baby has died. His life is in disarray. This is after he lies. This is after he cheats. This is after he's orchestrated this man's murder, and he's in sorrow over all of that. That's who we're talking about. And David says in Psalm 51, verse 10, listen, and created me a new heart, O God. Now what that means is this. Whatever David's heart was, it wasn't enough outside of God's grace. Whatever David's heart was, it wasn't enough outside of the voice of God. Whatever David's heart was, it wasn't enough outside of the shaping of God. And so consumed with his wickedness, seeing himself how he truly is, he says, create in me a new heart, O God. The word create there is the same word in the creation account in Genesis. It is God creating ex nihilo, out of nothing. And so he's saying, God, don't just fix up my heart. God, don't just patch up my heart. God, don't just cover over my heart. He says, God, I see my heart and I see what I do when I have my own leanings. Create in me out of nothing a brand new heart. Today that happens for us through Jesus Christ. Today that happens through us when we have a heart response to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you today as we conclude this, if God is calling you today, 
Do not harden your heart. Give him your heart fully in response to him. God, I understand I'm a sinner and I'm broken over my sin. Create in me a new heart. Come into my heart and save me today. It happens through a relationship in faith with Jesus Christ. I want to tell you this. The starting place is this. I want to be a man after God's own heart. It only happens by a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you do not have that relationship, he offers that. He's paid for that on the cross of Calvary. That's available for you today. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He's offering you to leave here today with a new heart. Let's pray. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stay, and I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. I'm thankful for you. I praise you. I worship you. I come today and I see that you want a heart that's totally committed to you. Help us as men to have that heart. That you want, you want a heart that obeys and is in tune with you. And if you lead it, we're not going to take a poll of the world. We're not going to survey our feelings. We're not going to worry about what the, our friends and family would think of us. But we're going to stand with you. We serve an audience of one. Help us to be like that. But I also pray that we would have hearts that look like yours because they've been made by your hand. And I pray for men here today that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray that today in the preaching of the gospel, in the hearing of your truth, they would have a yearning inside of them to give their hearts to you. Come into our hearts, Lord. Save us. Give us a new heart. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. Help us to be a man after your own heart. We love you. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.